0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek back with everybody, all of our favorite listeners, every single one, uh, for another episode. Derek, do you have a favorite listener? Sure do. Is it your wife? Yep. That seems like I should have seen that coming, probably. (laughs) Uh, Imagine if I said no. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm pretty sure my wife listens, so I can say that she is my favorite listener. Yep. Um, I know actually my, my wife said that even if she doesn't listen to the episode, she goes through and just downloads each one just, to just so that our it can boost our stats. I'm like, Oh,
1: that's true that's, love. Right so nice. There. I think, I think we're up to 12 downloads. I think since we started this podcast, <laughs> so you're telling me a lot of those are your wife. Probably. Yep. All right. Quick question of the day.
0: We are on location. Yes, we are. All right. So last episode in this episode We are recording from Derek's church because we got busy schedules we got to work around.
1: Welcome. It's good to have you.
0: We have this beautiful, if you're on Instagram, we have this beautiful backdrop of this world map behind us. So Derek, my quick question is... yeah. Tell us about your ancestors. Where are you from? Since, <laughs> since we have this beautiful map here, we might as well use
1: it. Where am I from? Let's see. Where here. are your ancestors? I'm gonna from. go to Minnesota here. That, I said ancestors. This is where I'm from. You Be- cheater. Beyond this, I have no idea. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I genuinely have no idea.
0: Dude, 23andMe, Ancestry.com. We got like a hundred man. I mean,
1: I was a youth pastor, you're man. A I have pastor no money now. You have. You're loaded with oh, cash. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot that. Sell
0: a dog or a cat or a kid and you can just, you know,
1: buy that. I have two cats I would love to sell. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Anytime. Oh, for any no. listener out there, um, I would... If, uh, just no, for the I, record... I would give them to you. I, well, you need money to... Oh, crap. Sorry. Um,
0: yes. Well, no, you could just give the cats away and then save the money that you would have
1: spent on their food. Well, to go toward And your- litter, but I guess yeah. yeah or or do me this. You can uh you can have my cats just give me a, like a gift card to 23andme or ancestry.com or whatever it How's is. How's your and- wife
0: going to feel about this?
1: <sighs> she's gone next week. So we- <laughs> <laughs> she's out of that, out of town.
0: Yeah. Uh for the record, I actually think your wife would agree to it to giving up the cats if you gave up the dog. I'm
1: okay with that too. <laughs> <laughs> Rough week with the dog. Huh? Oh man. Um, okay, but I think roughly, I think I'm somewhere around here. I think I have a lot of German. I was gonna say you, there's routes.
0: no way that the camera's picking up. You, you got to actually say the word yeah, Germany. Like, like <laughs> you can't just point to it.
1: Germany, I think, is definitely a thing. Um, you know, I think being from Minnesota, there's definitely some Scandinavian roots somewhere up yonder. Uh, I was also wondering. I've never really noticed when I was getting bored of you talking, I was looking at our little islands here, and I've never heard of this little island. This, uh, Jan-
0: well, it looks like it's pronounced Jan Mayan. Yep, which that's is definitely the- not correct. And it says Norway in parentheses, like it's a it's a territory of Norway or whatever. So that means there's no way that's how it's pronounced. But uh, yeah, there's, there's some
1: interesting ones up there. I'm also, uh, forgive me, I'm normally on the up and up of my... Uh, geography, but I'm confused why there's Denmark in parentheses underneath Greenland. Is Greenland not actually its own country? I Is thought a territory it territory of Denmark. That's what I. That's what I was wondering. You might have to. Oh my
0: gosh. Okay. Uh, can you look that up? Because I'm going to go into. Uh, apparently, this was a terrible question because Derek doesn't know where he's from because he has no <laughs> respect for his ancestors. Well, but um, so I. Uh, I actually, I mean, I was pretty confident in where I was from beforehand, but I actually did do the 23 uh, and uh you know, hey, where are you, where are your ancestors from DNA test? And it was very, very interesting. It also, the one that I took, it went into like, oh, you're, you know, X percentage likely to have a... Uh, you know, blue eyes, or you're this percentage likely to cry when you cut onions, or you probably don't like cilantro, or you know, like different DNA things like that. I thought was very interesting. You probably prefer vanilla ice cream over chocolate ice cream, and I was like, I didn't know that was DNA specific. But uh, so my ancestors are. Uh, The two biggest countries I come from are Sweden and Germany uh, because I live in Minnesota. So everybody is associated with both of those countries. It feels like, Uh, but then uh, I do have, uh, I think I'm like 15% or something like that. Uh, 12, 16% Irish. Uh, so I do have a little bit of Ireland in there, and then the one that I am most proud of, and I believe that this is the like the ancestry where my last name comes from, uh, would be this tiny, tiny little country right there called Luxembourg, Aha. Uh, which is which is bordering Germany. Uh, it is very tiny. Forever, for my entire life, I've always been proud of the fact that Luxembourg is. They are consistently in the top three to five countries in the world in uh like GDP per capita. Nice. Like there's there's apparently a lot of money in Lexington. Yep. I don't know if that's just because they're one of those countries that has like really loose laws with their banking, so that's where all the criminals put their money. Offshore accounts. I don't know. It's uh <laughs> I'm not really sure where their GDP comes from. Maybe it's just cuz they don't have any people, but uh yeah, so Luxembourg is uh is the country that uh, that I'm more proud of than anything else in my heritage. I also according to 23 andme I'm like 0.3% Jewish. So, shout out to uh to my Jewish heritage apparently that I, I didn't it.
1: know I had. That's why you're a biblical scholar, you.
0: I don't know any Hebrew <laughs> other than like Shalom. <laughs> And Shabbat, Shabbat. (laughs) Like I could count the number of Hebrew words I know on one hand. But uh, anyways, nobody really cares about that. They all want to know
1: about the origins of Greenland. So this blew my mind. We were. This map is correct. Wow. Greenland is an island country. And so naturally, my next question was: What is an island? That, That sounds like they're their own thing. An island country, island state, or island nation is a country whose primary territory consists of one or more islands of, or parts of islands, and they are all technically underneath the umbrella, if you will, of their governing country, which in this case is Denmark.
0: So Greenland is under Denmark.
1: Yeah. Interesting. What? I, how I kind of like... How I understand it, I could be completely ignorant here, but kind of like how Puerto Rico is right. underneath the umbrella yeah. of the US even though it's its own separate island. Yeah. Just much larger. Much <laughs> island. much larger. Do you know the history behind Greenland and Iceland and how they got their names? I know, but I know they're opposite. Like so, Iceland the, is incredibly beautiful the, and green.
0: The the guy that discovered both of them, was like, oh my gosh, I want Iceland for myself. Like, when I go back and report these places, I don't want a bunch of people flooding Iceland. And so he named the beautiful one Iceland and the ice one Greenland. That feels like it's so completely that, fake. So, no, seriously. That's like, like legit? It, like, he, he named it Iceland so that everybody would go to Greenland and not Iceland. That's amazing. Which I I just, I love it. Looking at the pictures like the ultimate
1: prank. of Greenland, I'm like, I seriously would rather eat sand than go to Greenland. <laughs> <It> <laughs> my, looks terrible. My, my
0: sister has been to uh, to Iceland and some of the pictures that, oh, she, that she took amazing. while she was there, like the oh man, it is beautiful. Definitely on the bucket list for sure. I flew over Iceland, I think, once, but uh, that's where we're we going. Uh, Ireland. Ireland, yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> I,
1: so it's like, it's like, it's
0: like the this most, was, this, I mean, we, we went five years of being married before we had kids almost. So four no, and a half years. So I, I joke, I have, we, we love to getting to do some
1: adventures. We have a close friend who always says that like, must be nice. Like, it's like the most insincere, like <laughs> diss. like, it's like, it is nice. Thank you for yes, acknowledging that. Like that. we worked hard to get to this point. So Anyways, that's not why we're here. But no, it's
0: not why we're here. And thanks we for just, the history lesson. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that you know, was enjoyable. Got some geography into yeah. the episode today. Uh, none of our listeners saw that coming. That's for sure. Uh, so we are in the middle of a three-part series here, uh, talking about what is the goal of youth ministry. And so today, part two. Uh, before we dive in, we I kind of want to recap here. You know. The importance of asking this question as a youth pastor or, uh, you know, as a pastor uh, in general, kids pastor, sure, why not? Uh, It's actually probably applies pretty closely (laughs) to a kids pastor because you only get your students for a finite amount of time and then you have to kick them out. And so what does the ideal high school graduate look like? Asking that question and then you can start to work your way backwards from there uh, as far as you know, what you can, what you want to talk about with your students, uh, the questions you want to answer, and, and how you want to see them grow. And so we talked last week uh, about how the ideal graduate in our minds uh, has three things we talked about last week. One, they have a saving relationship with Jesus. Two, they have been baptized in water. And then three, they uh, have the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. All right, and so today, uh, we have two more that we want to talk about, and the first one we kind of hinted at earlier uh, was, you know, spiritual disciplines are important, and so I think that the ideal graduate should be able to pray, worship, and study scripture without someone holding their hand.
1: Yeah. And I would honestly take it a step further. Ooh, that should be good. And saying why they should do those things. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, they know how to read scripture. Yes, they know how to pray, how to worship, all those things. But they also want to, and they also are intentional about carving out time for that. Because the reality is, regardless of what they do, your students, when they turn 18, their life's about to change. Whether they go to college, on a different campus whether they are at home, but now they're getting a more consistent job, like their day-to-day is about to shift in a drastic yep. way. Yep. So knowing how to do those things is, is is critical, but also them having the desire to say, I'm going to carve out time to spend with the Lord, praying, worshiping, reading my word. Like those are all the things that we're going to do. And uh, yeah, I think that's a huge marker.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, kind of like some of the things we talked about last week, like I don't think we have to explain why, you know, praying, worship, and studying scripture is important for someone. Uh, I do think because, you know, you can find lists online of spiritual disciplines that go anywhere from six or seven to 15 deep. Uh, But these three being the ones that we want to highlight is because these are ones that I think are easiest to skip out on on your own uh, because they are the main aspects of our Sunday services. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like it is so easy to just worship on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights, uh, it is so easy to only get into the word on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights because these things are being spoon fed to you. Mm -hmm. They're, they're being just gifted to you on a silver silver platter. You don't have to do any of the work. They're just already there. Right. Right. You know, I don't have to pray out loud and be uncomfortable with that or like be uncomfortable with praying period because someone else is doing it for me on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. And so having those aspects, uh, be something that the students are actually, like they are equipped and empowered to do themselves. Uh, You know, I can can read the Bible and not just read the Bible, but like if I have a question about it, I have some resources on, on where I can, like I know I can go to this website or this person or whatever in order to really get an extra depth of this scripture passage that I'm studying. I think that that is that's important. And so the, que- the first question is like, you know, how do we, before we get into the resources, I think we need to ask, how do we teach? Uh, you know, how, how do you teach someone, especially a student to pray, worship and study scripture without somebody holding their hand?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think honestly, it's a united front and it's a very holistic kind of approach. Uh, If you just talk about it on Wednesday nights or whenever you meet for youth, it's not going to stick. On the same token, if you never talk about it on Wednesday, because I've also heard this whole philosophy is we're not going to talk about like in-depth stuff on Wednesdays just because we have a lot of new kids here. Yep. And it's like, well, cool. You got them in the door and God's working on their heart, but they have nowhere to go now. You know, like... I think it needs to be something that is mentioned and discussed on a Wednesday night when you meet together. In a lot of ways it's, it's something that is caught and not taught, you know, like bring your Bible up on stage with you. This has been something that I have been adamant about for years now is like topical preaching for me has really taken a backseat. Like I rarely will preach a topical sermon where I'm pulling from seven different texts. Like I am much more prone right now. I think I've mentioned this on this podcast to preach more expository, Mm -hmm. you know, open your scripture, read them the story and show them what you're pulling out of it so that they can do the same thing, you know? So like, you got to do it from the stage, but I think there's also got to be things where off the stage, you are also instilling the how and the why of these spiritual disciplines as well. Like for us, we have, uh, you know, a Bible study that meets once a month in our home with some of our student leaders And we will talk about a lot of these things in depth, you know, Mm -hmm. having those kinds of things in your connect groups, or if you have those preach those, you know, like preach guys, like it's super important to get into the Bible. It's super important to do this on your own. Like it's gotta be something where they're hearing it from seven different directions to really instill in them that this is something that's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, and, and if, if you know their family, you know, incorporating it at home as well, can be a huge win. Uh, you know, if their family goes to your church and you've got that synergy within your, your church, uh, you know, encouraging students or encouraging parents to, uh, you know, incorporate their kids when they're praying before meals or mm-hmm. before bedtime or, you know, just on a random afternoon, right? Uh, you know, studying scripture together as a family, worshiping together as a family, uh, you know, you, you have to, as a parent, like you got to figure out at least one of your kids to play guitar so that you can, <laughs> um, you know, get some, some live worship. I don't know. This is going to be a, a rabbit trail here. Uh, curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, you know, we, we just, we just went through an episode of like how COVID changed church. And and worship online. I we may have talked about this. I don't remember, but worship online solidified for me that that's not how I worship. (laughs) Uh, I love worshiping in person, and I love listening to a Spotify playlist. Uh, I don't like listening to churches live streams of worship. That's correct, and. Our worship leaders at our church would agree with that. Uh, It's it's just rough sometimes because it if you don't have a separate sound person to mix the online and a separate like two different ones to mix online and in person, it is very very difficult. Like you could have the best musicians in the world, you can even have the best sound guy in the world, but if you're asking him or her to specifically do both.
1: One of them is going to fall. One of them's terrible.
0: fall or they're both going to suck yeah. because they're trying to do both of them. So anyways, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that that's important. So what are, so do you have any resources that you can think of off the top of your head that
1: can help students, uh, you know, become self-sufficient in these three areas? Yeah, there's a few. Um, One, my wife and I have put together a Spotify playlist for kids in, in the past and said, you know, hey, like when you are, you know, at, at home doing homework, put this on in the background instead of Kendrick Lamar, you know, or uh, do if you're just wanting to worship, like get alone, you know, in, in your room, in your car, whatever it is. But here are some good worship playlists that, that we love, things that we personally listen to. Uh, what's really awesome and heads up is if if you know that your worship team incorporates certain songs Put that on the playlist so that they can, you know, kind of bridge yeah. that gap yep. between we heard this on Wednesday night and now we're hearing this in person. So we've created Spotify playlists for kids before, and that has been really, really helpful. Uh, something we also really teach, I don't know if this is a research as much as more of a, a practice, but I think it's good nevertheless, uh, soap. Soap is a, sure. a, a huge thing that we do. And, you know, we've, we've had certain Bible plans where it's like, hey, we're going to, as a church, we just got done doing this where, you know, we started on a Sunday, and on Matthew chapter one, we published a soap on Facebook. Of here's our soap, and then we asked different people to soap, uh, which has been super helpful. We've done that with youth before. U version is amazing. U version has some really, really good plans uh, that will have a devotional, some scripture, and then you can like type out a response and then everyone else can see that. So it's kind of good to encourage yeah. accountability. So those are those are the first ones that come to my mind. Periodically, I'll have a student or an adult who is really hungry and really wants to go deep. And so then I'll kind of redirect them to Blue Letter Bible. You know, if they really want to get into the nitty-gritty of each individual word, um, or different commentaries. I have some commentaries in my office that I'll let people take a peek at. So it's kind of a lot of different things I just threw out there, but it's kind of... I think the biggest resource that you can offer when it comes to helping a student grow in their faith, grow in spiritual disciplines, is purely yourself. You know, if, if if you know a student is on that cusp and they are waiting to grow, don't wait for them to come to you. Like, go to them. If you see something in a student that you go, God's got a calling on your life. I can tell the Holy Spirit's working on you. Let's go out to Grazing Canes. Let's go Chick-fil-A. Let me buy you lunch and let me tell you that I see something special in you. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Here's a Bible plan. Here's a playlist. Like, mm-hmm. I just am going go out on a whim here and feel like God's doing something in your life. So here are the resources and let yeah. them go home and, and do something with that.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, take, I love taking that initiative. Um, and I love the worship playlists for sure. That's something and, and integrating when you can integrate that with like the worship that you're doing on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights uh, you know, that's huge. Uh, sometimes if we are doing a new song on a Wednesday night on Monday, I will post like that song on our Instagram story. Like it's yeah. like, Hey, and, and I don't even like put words with it. Sometimes I just like, I won't even say like, Hey, we're going to do this song. It's going to be new on Wednesday. Like I'll just post it mm-hmm. and, and they can see it. Uh, and, and I think that that can have a really, just, just the, the synergy there encouraging them. Like you don't have to have all the fancy lights and the worship team and, and, you know, big band and everything. Like it can be a Spotify playlist in your car ride or while Mm -hmm. you're doing homework, uh, you know, for, for the people, because I love having worship music on while, while a kid is doing homework. I love that idea. I could never do it. Unless I was doing... Like if I was doing something homework-wise that involved the English language, I had a really hard time also having worship music on. Correct. Like if I'm doing math homework, bring it on. But if I was writing a paper, I had a hard time with it. And so what I did was I put together a Spotify playlist of Portuguese worship music because it was a language I did not know. Interesting. Uh, I found a couple bands that are Portuguese that do worship music and it, I didn't know the language and I didn't know any of the, I didn't, did they, none of them were like covers of songs I know. Mm-hmm. And so and there was like 15 or 16 songs on this playlist, you know, give me a good hour, hour and a half of, of worship music. And it allowed me to still listen to worship music uh, and and it, you can tell even if you don't know the words, you can tell mm-hmm. that it's worship music. It has that authenticity and that vibe to it that other music doesn't. Sure, but it didn't distract me from what I was doing. Yeah, so I like that. if you know, maybe that's uh, that's maybe that's like a weird way to help you integrate worship music into your life. If you're a student listening and and you love listening to worship music while you're doing homework, but you're distracted by it. Uh, the other thing I'll say is I, so when it comes to studying scripture, uh, I love, you know, giving students some of those deeper resources, mm-hmm. uh, be partially because I think it's hard for students to just read the Bible alone and get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I was one of the biggest detractors of the message Bible for a long time, And I've really come full circle on it because for a student that's brand new in their faith, I think it's a great tool to help get them in the door and help get them to a point where like they've only ever read the new King James version of the Bible. And now they're like, oh, I can actually understand this. This is awesome. Hermeneutically, it's actually
1: pretty good. I mean, there's...
0: Yeah, yeah. there's there's it, going to be, we don't, we got into this on a different episode that I'm not going to look up right now. We did one on translations of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be a level of that translation that you don't get, yep. but it is solid yep. uh, and and I like it. Uh, but I had a group of high school girls combined with some young adult girls that came to me a couple weeks ago. They were like, Hey, we want to, we're going to start a Bible study of like our, like we're just going to get a group of girls together to meet on Sunday mornings during one of the services that we don't go, like we'll go to one service and have a Bible study. The other service we like, what should we do? How should we structure that? And I almost just died on the spot. Cause all like, this is like the dream of every yeah, youth huge. pastor. For like yeah. I have a group of students that want to start a Bible study, run it on their own. And they want some guidance. I was like, praise Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and so I told them step one, like, before like the very first thing every person should do is just read through and I would tell this this is a great way for students to you know study the bible on their own too read through the chapter before you do anything else and just read through it and write down any question you can possibly think of that you have mm-hmm. while you're reading through it yeah like if you're reading through you know Jesus's palm sunday entrance to Jerusalem why a donkey why not a different animal? Write it down. Mm-hmm. He instructed his disciples to go into the city and they would find a donkey there and like tell it like basically he told them like t- take it, bring it back to me. If anybody questions you, tell them that you know, the Lord needs it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Does that sound like stealing? <laughs> like you don't think anybody questioned that? And like write those questions down. Like that's what I mean. And then you can go back. And, and start to study and look for yeah. the answers to those. Because when you bring together, especially for a group Bible study, other people might have the same question, yep. and then you were able to find the answer. And so I told them, that's where everybody should start. But then if you have a group that is studying the Bible, what I would highly encourage is to assign roles to... To each person in the Bible study, and they can look like a lot of different things. I think one of the great roles there, there's two that I think should probably be a part of every Bible study. one, having somebody designated to look at some of the cross references, where they can okay, like I'm reading through you know if you're reading through one of the gospels, odds are one of the other gospels tells the same story in a similar way. So have a person that also goes to look at some of those, you know, the, the other gospels that tell the same story, Uh, you know, have that's a great role to assign somebody having somebody like Derek said, looking at some of the original Hebrew and Greek words used and some of the original definitions of those words and the meanings of those words that can unlock uh, some really deep and good meaning to what is being said. Uh, there's some great commentaries out there. Uh, one of the ones that, that I use on a regular basis is the Enduring Word commentary by a guy, I believe he's a pastor in California, uh, David Guzik. Uh, what I love about that commentary is that it's free. Mm-hmm. And it's online, and they yeah. have an app that's actually really easy to use. So I love that. Uh, there's, I think we've talked about before the Bible Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have a podcast, they have series of videos. Like assign somebody to dive into their material and and read that. If you have a study Bible, have somebody like, yeah, my job is to read through the notes in my study Bible. Yeah, uh, you, know, you can come up with a lot of different. Uh, you know, different roles, but that can bring an added depth where like everybody, it's not like everybody read the same thing. You're all coming with different material that you can bring and and give a ton of insight to. And so when it comes to a group Bible study, I love that. But a lot of those things, you can also teach students to do on their own.
1: Something I also would encourage as well, and I was on that fence about this for a long time, but one year I just ended up to just doing it and it was awesome. But like, buy your kids' journals. Terrible idea. Like, it. it I Who writes with pen and paper for anymore, real? Derek. It, and I, I honestly had that thought in my head a lot. Yeah. Like, who's? I go- can't knock it. We actually did it too. So right, it, yeah, it, it, it was really good. Yeah, For real. <laughs> it, 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 it's one of those things. Like you have, like it feels like okay. That, that seventh grade middle school boy. Like you, you hand this to him and you yeah. go, Yeah, gosh, you know, is this is this gonna even make it to the third page? You know, like, is anything beyond yep. page three going to be written on? It's all
0: cartoons. Yeah,
1: you know. it, it, exactly. Or little sheets of paper from making spitballs. Or
0: Yeah, it's all torn up. There's a bunch of paper airplanes everywhere.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. I feel that. But what I have noticed is one of my favorite things to see on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night is when you see people walk in with notebooks. And, and have, their Bible. And their Bible. And, and yep. you know that they... Because there, there is some legitimate science behind writing something down and retaining that. Like there is, like legitimate. Yeah, using that multiple
0: it. senses. Yeah. In order to take in information is huge. Yeah, that's it, why we always have really weird sense going on for
1: students to smell during our youth service. No, I'm kidding. Flatulence <laughs> and V.O. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of what we're going for here. Um, but no, dude, I. Like I'll be the first to say I was never a journaler. I was never a mm-hmm. dear diary. Today was a great, like that was just never my MO. However, there has been so, like, there's something so cool about journaling that ties all of these things in together. Yeah, Like you want to talk about pouring out your soul to the Lord via writing. That's a form of prayer in my opinion. You want to talk about looking back on journal entries from years ago seeing this person that you wrote down their name, like prayer, prayerless like I'm going to, I want to pray for John and Susie and Bill and to look back three years later and go, oh my gosh, like they are on fire for the Lord right now. Not that we, I, I look back on those, it's not like a look what I did, but it, I look back on journal entries. I look back on notebooks I've filled and I go, look what God did. Look at what I was worried about. Yeah. And look, I know now on the other side of this, yep. how he came Absolutely. through for this, you know? And so it's one of those things like don't neglect and don't for don't rob some kid of that opportunity just because you don't think they're going to use it. They might not use it. You might hand out a journal to them and they might draw stick figures in there or cartoon doodles. And it, it might be, you know, one of those things, but what did you waste? Three bucks. Okay, but- That 3 bucks might be worth the kid who grew in their faith because they took that seriously. And that was when they were at their lowest, when they were down, that was the one way they communicate to God and it changed their life forever. Like, I think it's worth the $3 investment to go get one of those little... They don't have to be the nice leather-bound gold-paged things. Like, you can literally go to Hobby Lobby and get notebooks for like $4 and it's super Mm -hmm. awesome. So... As we were talking about, like, that's, again, a super practical way to, like, and I'll say this too, and I'm I'm sure we can probably transition, but, like, don't undersell your students.
0: Oh, for sure. They are
1: capable of way more than we give them credit for, Mm. especially when they put their mind to something. So, don't rob them of an opportunity to grow in their faith just because you think they can't handle it.
0: Yep. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. They... Your students can go deeper than than
1: you think they can for sure. And they want to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of
0: them are eager for it.
1: For so many, for so long, I thought I'm just trying to get these kids in the door. And like I just like, let's throw pizza at them, let's throw giveaways. And all all things are great. I have nothing to knock on that. But yeah, especially pizza. (laughs) Yeah. I've also noticed like our kids have another gear that I never tapped into because I didn't think they were ready for it. And I sat there and I went, shoot. You know? Yeah. So I'd rather err on the side of giving them too much than not enough just yeah. to be honest.
0: Yeah, I uh I am working on and I hesitate to say this cuz it's not done, but I'm really hoping that by this fall what I'm working on is a U version reading plan that like mm-hmm. we can publish to U version uh to read through the Bible specifically geared toward our students because have have you ever Derek have you ever done a, like, you know, read through the Bible in X amount of, yeah. you know, usually like read through the Bible in a year. Those yep. plans are really popular. Have mm-hmm. you ever done it? Yeah. Uh, Have I done it on time? No. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> like it is, it is a lot of reading mm-hmm. to get through the Bible in a year. Uh, something that even getting through the Bible in two years, it can be quite a bit of reading, especially for a middle school or high school student. And when you get behind, it's demoralizing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and plus you have to start like Genesis and Exodus are usually fine. Then you get into Leviticus and numbers and everybody gives up. Ooh, yeah. and so uh, what I am trying to put together is a Bible reading plan specifically with our students in mind one so that it is shorter readings per day. I think I I've developed right now. I think I've done Matthew and then Genesis through, I think I don't think I finished numbers but it's, they average like 35 or 40 verses a day versus like the 120 that you need in order right. to get through the whole Bible in a year. Yep. Uh, and and that allows you to go deeper. I would so much rather our students slow down and go deeper. Amen. Like you're like, they're ready for that. Yeah. Slow down and go deeper versus just speeding through it and not really understanding what you read. Yeah. And then the other thing that I'm intentionally going to build into it is like rest days. Yeah. So that if you get behind, just stay behind, you know, stay one day behind everybody else. And then you'll get caught up on the rest the day if you have one or two of those a month. And so, or if you want, you can read two in a day. I'm not going to make you, but, you know, having those kind of built in. So I'm excited to see, and and it'll probably be like a three or even four year plan. Yeah. Which like is, it'll, which is it'll awesome. It'll take a while, but I would so much rather do that. And, and then... If I really bring it all together, and this is just work that I have to do, but we could work sermon series around like, hey, right now our whole youth ministry is reading through the book of First Samuel. Let's do some sermons that can go deeper on some of those yep. some of those chapters. So um, I'm as maybe if it if it's something that it turns out really good and and we like it, maybe we'll find a way to uh, to share that with the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor family. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about that. Okay, so the. Spiritual disciplines and, and being self-sufficient, that's that's one of the things that we feel is really important for, for graduates. Uh, this other one, this is going to be kind of a fun conversation. I don't really have a fancy like the ideal graduate should this, this, this. I just labeled it attendance goals. And I want to have a conversation here because you know we do all of these things as a youth ministry, hoping that students show up and praising God that for some reason they do. We've always heard, every youth pastor has heard, like, you know, we don't, like, don't take attendance because of the numbers. Like, you don't want to, like, just pursue the numbers. Right. But there's also some value in actually taking attendance and figuring out not only how many kids are there, but which kids are there. And I think that that second one is maybe even more important. Now, if no one is showing up to your event, taking attendance is a good idea because then you should maybe not do that event or or change how you're doing things. But uh, like for Wednesday nights, is there an attendance goal that the ideal graduate should have? Don't just say 100 uh, because obviously, but like... I, I have I have a thought, but I want to shoot it over to you. Are you first. talking percentage? Yes. Okay. Percentage, okay. because that's the other hard part is that you know you get a kid that uh, you know starts coming in their sophomore or junior year of high school. If you have a number of Wednesday nights you want them to hit, they're not going to hit it compared to the kid that's been a part of your youth ministry yeah. since sixth or seventh grade. It's like, is there a percentage <sighs> of Wednesday nights that you ideally want to see students? Perfect world yeah you know, and
1: i, I think if you it, say a hundred I'm gonna put no you in I this. know I, th- that's <laughs> the reality that's just not realistic anymore, you know yeah like I, the- let me
0: while you're talking, I'm gonna pull up because we are I mean, we're almost through we're halfway through April, yep uh when we're recording this, I'll pull up our attendance sheet and see if any of our kids are at hundred percent yeah, well,
1: and here's what I was gonna say is the for me, the percentage of attendance is less important to me than the reason by which they're not in attendance. That's and, a good point. And, and here's what I mean by that is, you know, we, we've we had the whole soapbox of church versus sport, church versus theaters, church versus whatever. Um, so I'm not even getting into any of that. But to me, not being at youth because you're sick or because you got called into work, or, you know, I have this is a lot more a senior high than junior high, just because they're busier, you know, but not being there because you have some commitment that physically doesn't allow you to be there is different than a, I don't feel like going tonight. Yeah. I have too much homework. I just, I'm tired from a long day. Like, that to me is more important than how many Wednesdays you're here in a month, just because, like... That is kind of the point to me. Like I've and I've had a candid conversation with our senior students and been like, look, I know you guys are busy. I know you got a lot going on. But here is the God honest truth. You are the tone setters for our entire Wednesday night. Yeah. If you are there and you are just like, meh and down, or you're not there because you just don't feel like going, what does that send to our younger students? You know, what kind of messages that send like uh, yeah, I'm just here because my mom dropped me off. Yeah. Like, Or on the flip side, what does it say when they see the cool high school kid who's at the front leading the charge in worship? What does that tell the seventh grade kid in the back horsing around when this kid who they highly respect as the quarterback of the football team is there Praying with somebody else, yeah. like that, sets the tone, and so especially
0: if that kid, the quarterback of the football team, is there, like the Wednesday before the big game on Friday, correct? You know, yeah. Like if if that's a priority, and again, like I I completely agree. You know, if they're not there, why? Yep is is a big factor. Yep. Uh, and then I think another big factor is, you know even just because they're there physically doesn't mean they're there mentally. Yeah. And so know yep. uh, that, that kind of goes into it. I, I think that, and, and to like looking at ours, so we've had to date, we've had 26 Wednesday nights from the beginning of our school year to now. Uh, we, so there's two kids that are at a hundred percent, but like they've come the last three weeks. And they'd never like I didn't know them before that, so technically sure. they're at 100. Yeah. Of the kids that have been here for more than two months, there's one student that has been at every single Wednesday night. Oh. And so we'll give Violet a shout out. Junior high girl, eighth grader. Violet wins because she's been at every single Wednesday night. Uh. But like, like if your youth ministry streams, yo, know, your services on Wednesday nights. If you, if you have a student that's sick, but they could still you know, tune into the live stream, like, oh, yep. cool. If you're sick, like, please don't come anyway. Right. Uh, yo, we, we don't want you here as much as we want you here. Uh, and so I do think that the reason behind some of those things, uh, there's, there's a lot of truth to that for sure. For sure. And then, you know, how involved, like, are you actually there or are you just physically there? Right. Uh, the benchmark that we have chosen to set for our youth ministry is 75%. Yeah. Three out of five. You know, it, it allows for plenty of variance. Yeah. Uh. you know, if if you have sicknesses, even if you have some students that like, I can't show up for three or four weeks because like I, you know, I'm in theater and we're like in crunch time. Yep. You know, we got rehearsals every single Wednesday, every single, you know, night of the week, including Wednesday night for two weeks because we got to get this done. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see that. And and I think that 100% is clearly unrealistic. Right. To, to expect of students. But I, and so that, that, 75% number is the one that we've kind of said, like if students are there 75% of the time or more, they are getting, you know, that that's like the core of our Wednesday night crew. They're getting a lot of, uh, you know, the main stuff. There, It's possible to build relationships if you're there 75% of the time.
1: Yeah, and I think what's super important for the pastors that are listening is... Understanding that seventy five percent is the goal, and seventy five percent is like good, you know what I'm saying? Because I think a lot of times we look at students who are there twenty five or fifty, and we just go, they're just, they're just not committed, they're not locked in. Like that's not necessarily the case, you know what I'm saying? Like definitely push for that seventy five, but we have to understand we've talked about this in like too, so I'm not going to get into the weeds here, but. Things are changing. Our culture is changing. Things look different. So it's all the more credence to the fact that pastor, when you show up on Wednesday night for your youth service, be ready to go, be prayed up, be ready to deliver a word, put time into. So, cause you, that might be the ones, ones that you got for them for that, for that month.
0: Yeah. You're going to, for every 75% or you're going to have a 25%. Yep.
1: So like, you gotta be ready to go, you know, don't, don't let the attendance of your Wednesday night dictate how much you're willing to push in and press on.
0: And I'll just real quick to give kind of a background and context to some of the numbers uh, you know, we've been averaging about, uh, I guess I could just drag this over here and count. Uh, So we've been averaging about 70 kids on, on Wednesday nights this school year and uh, of the students that have been around again, more than a couple months uh, we have forty that are at that seventy-five percent mark, and so like you do probably depending on the youth ministry, like we do have quite a few that it's not like an unrealistic goal at mm-hmm. all. Right. Like f- we we average seventy, and we got forty students that are at that seventy-five percent mark, and so uh, it's definitely attainable. Uh, I, I don't think it's too low, uh, and and so that's I think that's a good one for Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, we do like, I also have a a separate number for like, we do a middle school class on Sunday mornings, uh, to just kind of be a second touch point with kids. We dive deeper uh, a little bit into the word. And then our high school Bible study Sunday nights, uh, again, diving a lot deeper into the Mm -hmm. word, uh, and, and growing, uh, for those, we set it at 50%. Uh, and and I don't know off the top of my head, I guess I still have the sheet up so I could look. Uh, you know, our Bible study for our high schoolers, we usually average, you know, eight or 10 kids. Mm-hmm. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, six kids uh, that are at 50%. Like yeah. not high numbers, uh, but attainable. Yep. And so that's where I, I don't think that you have to, like you're not trying to shame kids if they don't hit these numbers. The reason that I bring them up is that, you know look at the kids that are hitting those numbers are the kids that are hitting those numbers students that you can see them growing in their faith if they're not growing in their faith and they're there most of the time you know then maybe you need to look at do i need to go deeper sure i think that i think that these numbers are important because you can use them as uh you know ways to to measure yourself too
1: yeah Dude, that's so good, and it. I think even, I'm curious. Do you communicate that number to uh, your students? We
0: don't tell our students. Okay. No, and, and we have. We do tell our leaders. We, okay. you know, we tell. We share all of this with our leaders. Uh, and and we have more. Like I'll I'll kind of skim over. You know, our our goal is for every single student to go on at least one mission team. Yeah. Uh, before they graduate, uh, we have other events that we do like our fall retreat. Uh, we've got some bigger, you know, summer camp, bigger events. And I believe the number we set for that is like, and and it's hard to measure, but like students hitting, you know, 50% of those events. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously with some of those, like sometimes you get finances as an issue. Hopefully your youth ministry has a way to help out some of those students. Yep. Uh, we have an event coming up that's $5. I do not offer scholarships for that event because it's $5. And we like, we lose so much money on that event. Like we, if we serve your kid a meal, that's worth more than $5. So please like, please come up with $5. And one of our leaders might be able to, or I can, if you can't, but it's not built into our budget, but I I bring up some of those events too because we all of these metrics that we have, these benchmarks of like, ideally we have students hitting this. Uh, We've been tracking this intentionally for maybe three or four years now. And we have had one student graduate hitting every single one of these numbers in three or four years. Wow. I, I don't know if this is prescriptive or not this is also the only student we have ever asked to come on as a youth leader immediately upon graduating. Like she graduated in May and started in September as a youth leader. Wow! And so I, I, d- I don't have enough. We have one data point. So I can't say that like this is prescriptive. If students hit all these numbers, then they're automatically going to be you know, leader quality
1: right. graduates. Like that's probably not going to be the case every time. But it probably is indicative of the fact that she's probably incredibly spiritually mature and her, yeah. her faith is incredibly strong. It's, it's
0: one of the things you can get a glimpse into with these attendance goals is, is their faith a priority for them? You know, above all of the other things they have going on in their life, is attendance, physical attendance, the only way to measure that? No. Right. But it's a pretty good window into that. Yeah. And you know, you like, I guarantee Derek, you have seen people all the time where like, Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. Yeah. Like, no, you're not. Maybe you are sort of, but there is a, an, a big aspect of your faith that you are missing if physical attendance is not a priority for you. Yeah. And so for, for students, I do think that there's a lot of value, uh,
1: in, in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it kind of, if you are teaching the right things, it, it all builds upon itself. It's yeah. A, the, Cause
0: then they're there for all yeah. of the teaching and all of the community building and all that.
1: I'm, I'm a golfer, but I don't, I don't golf. Yeah. You know, like, okay. Or I'm a golfer, but I hit the range a couple times a week because I want to get yeah, better. But or, I
0: never actually go out and. Right. You know, exactly. Play you know? So I think that's where it's like,
1: is that why I suck at golf? Cause I never practice. <sighs> Well, I have, I can't say <laughs> I don't know that anything. practice would even help, I, I, but that's I fine. Am, I can't, people always say like, hey, do you golf? And my response is, you know, I'm sure you've heard this from me, is I can golf. Like I, I don't golf well, but I'm capable <laughs> of golfing.
0: You, do you golf? I, I hit a little white ball around some grass. Yes, I don't know if you can call it golfing. I Sometimes love- it hits a
1: house or <laughs> some water, but for the had, most part, so it lands we on a, green. We
0: had a family in our church. They've moved into a new house about a year ago and it's on a golf course. Yep. And the first time I went over to help them move and me and, and the dad were standing in the backyard and I was looking at it and I was, cause they're like right off the green. And I, of I think it's the second hole. And I was looking at it and I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think you're safe you'd have to be a poor left-handed golfer to, you know, put your house in the danger zone. Correct. Uh, it was just, it was funny. Like kind of like, let's assess, would a bad golfer hit your house with a golf club or with a golf ball? I hope they're not hitting it with a golf club. I mean, <laughs> there's, <laughs> that's a bad day. So, uh, are you familiar with Mitch? Uh, I think his name is Mitch, Mitch Hedberg, comedian. He, I mean, hilarious passed away. I think of an overdose like 20 years ago, but, uh, he had a joke. He would tell, he was like, you know, I've never, uh, I've never been good at, uh, or I I always love Frisbee golf or golf Frisbee or whatever you call flinging a nine (laughs) iron into the woods. (laughs) I was like, I feel that on a deep personal level. Yep. Uh, yeah, that golf is frustrating. How did we get on this? I have no idea.
1: Oh, I was, my analogy. And I'll, I'll, I'll wrap yes, up. Yes, please do. I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to take the analogy out of it because I don't want to get us into the rubber trail. But I feel like, again, this goes back to our episode last week. Attendance is not the goal mm-hmm. inherently. Attendance is just indicative of something that's happening internally. Yeah. You know, if kids are showing up week by week, it's not probably just because they want to impress you or please you. It's because they want to be there. And if they want to be there, it's probably because they want to grow in their faith, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not that we're chasing attendance. It's that we're chasing the end goal, which is to have mature believers in Christ. And attendance is a way to see, is faith a priority to them? And if they can't be there for other reasons, that's understandable. But what, you know, it just helps you evaluate yourself and evaluate leadership and go, is this a place kids want to be? Is this a place that we are accomplishing what we're setting out to do?
0: Yeah, and if you're if you're noticing cuz like I personally set attendance goals for different events just to use as a benchmark of okay, based on the purpose of this event, the timing of this event, this is, you know, a percentage. I always do percentages. You know, if if we're averaging 70 kids on a Wednesday night, x percentage of that should is my target for this event. And if we're not hitting that, is it because of like a fluke scheduling thing? Or if we're not hitting that over several years, is it because like, Hey, maybe I need to take a second look at this event. We did an episode where like, Hey, don't be afraid to stop doing something. Yeah. Uh, You know, if it's not working, tweak it, scrap it entirely, do something different. Uh, You know, if, if students aren't showing up to an event, you think they should be showing up to go back to the drawing board. Right. For sure. You got it, man. That's Drop about it. Mic. That's uh, that's all we got. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, on behalf of Derek, I'm not gonna go golf. Instead, I think it's about time that I go buy a study Bible for all of our students. That's big enough for them to knock somebody out with. Goodbye.